Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Peacock Streaming, the biggest live events from Super Bowl 56 to complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. It's all the unbelievable sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Great. We can wheel him in. We can wheel Matt in like he's... uh... We do a big intro for him. Yeah. Oh, well, we've got Matt coming in live in the studio. Exactly. Yeah, a, a new correspondent. Exactly. That's, that's, that's next levels that we're pumping out on our That's the vibe. Now. My hair's a mess. What's going on? That's going oh, on. No. Oh, what a disaster. <laughs> All right, we're just uh, waiting for people to enter the room because we've got a deadline day podcast coming today. What's the uh, vibe, Johnny, on a one to frustrated <laughs> well, I think we're going to have to collectively um, kind of chew the fat and work that out because I, I, I just can't be sh- can't be sure how I feel about some stuff. I find myself double guessing a lot of the stuff, you know. Like um, we signed him right back, but um, let's just go over everything now because we've got to look collectively at it and then judge on that. And I'm not so sure I'm feeling positive. All right. Well. Uh... Let's get let's get going. We've got people in the room now. Okay, so we're going to start the podcast. Good morning and welcome to a deadline day transfer special. It's not even good morning, it's good night. So Johnny's on at 8pm, I'm on at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and we're excited to talk about what's gone on at Arsenal over the last three days because it has been absolute carnage. I'm joined by Johnny. Matt's going to jump on the podcast soon. How are you doing, Johnny? Um, yeah. So, as we just mentioned, kind of a mixed bag. Um, I, I mean, we've signed a player in an area that was so desperately needed. I mean, there's, it's just a roller coaster of emotions at the moment. It's one of the reasons why I was hoping we'd be able to jump on today because you're hearing conflicting news stories, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but Ainsley. What's going on? The next thing, we've got Hector Bellerin. So we've gone from having no one functioning as a right back and the ones that we do have being pushed towards the door, seemingly. Um, And then, you know, in the dawn of the day, being linked to this guy that no one had even really... (laughs) Oh, before today. Oh, oh, Johnny, um, I'm getting a, uh, I'm getting a special guest that's going to be added to the screen live. Right. Oh, who is it? Is it Thierry Henry? Oh, it's Matt. Oh, it's Matt. It's Matt Candela. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. How you doing? Oh, mate, what a mess. What a mess. Oh, you're, you're, you're on your mobile phone as well. I've got, I've got to go. Oh shit. There we go. What a nightmare. Here um, welcome into the podcast, Matt. Give us your hot take on how you're feeling about transfer deadline day at this very second. Well, it's just bizarre, isn't it? This new right back that's just come from nowhere. Um, I mean, I don't really know what to make of it. I think the biggest thing is, do we trust this guy? Do we trust this dynamic duo of Arteta and Edu to be making any of the right decisions? And now we've just 
slung another 20 million over to someone and it, i'm just like is this is this are we making the right decisions here <laughs> because yeah because the last time i looked we had a, a pretty decent um uh option in maitland niles bellerin obviously needs a fresh fresh change of scene but i don't know it's it's i mean we're just we, we, we've backed them haven't we there's, there's no other there's nothing else anyone can say and um it's 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 scary all right. Well, there's so many topics to get through uh, in this in this podcast today that we're just going to go through each individually and then see if we can work out what's the overarching picture and how are we feeling. But um, Matt, I'm going to start with you because um, you called me um, after I passed my driving test yesterday. Ninety three percent. Thanks for asking. Thanks wow. for asking. Wow. Honestly, honestly, you can I tell you're pr- proud as well because you mentioned <laughs> the number. Ninety three, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I am I am extremely proud because I actually failed my driving test in New York because I drove into the wrong lane thinking I was in England, which was very, very embarrassing. But I rectified the problem uh, and we've got it sorted. But anyway, back to you, Matt, because you called me up after the driving test. Didn't ask me about it, but don't worry about that. Uh, to, because you were you'd just seen Ainsley Maitland-Niles post a very sad Instagram story. Matt, talk me through what you were thinking about the hot mess that is Ainsley and how it's kind of weirdly been resolved today. Yeah. I mean, um, after a big defeat, what you really want, what you really want from the club is for everyone just to go radio silent. (laughs) You want everything to be kept really internal. Everyone lick their wounds, sort things out in private. And let's be honest, over the last few years of the Wenger regime, you know, we, and every time we basically played up north at 12.30, we take a hiding. <laughs> uh, so nothing new happened. But when that happened, everyone would just not say a word. And then you'd normally see some sort of response against a lesser team the following week. But what you, what you really don't want is just sort of lots of noise, lots of confusion, all that stuff going on behind the scenes. And so, you know... I felt pretty awful after the City game. Sunday was was a dark day. Monday, you know, it's a whole new week. Hopefully they're figuring it out on the training ground. But when you see a message like that, you're like, oh, my God. That was like a, that was like a nuclear bomb at Arsenal. Because what that is telling you is people are desperate. People don't know where to turn. That was the voice of a, that was the voice of a desperate man on a ledge. Um, mm. And, you know, who are, who are his mates? Saka, Smith Rowe, all the Hailenders, all the other members of the team. And what can people feel like when one of their own is clearly that desperate? And then you look around and you go, he's clearly not the, o- the only one. And I said, look, the scorned 11 is almost better than the current first team. You know, it is. There's so many in there now. Uh, players who have just got on the wrong side of Arteta. And you look at them and you go... There's a decent amount of talent there. And the way it's just happening and it felt orchestrated, it felt designed for maximum impact. And you just thought, this club does not have any control of what's going on. And it just feels like that's been the, the story for the last two or three years. We have just had incident after incident after incident. Can you even think of any, anything like that? Uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, United, they don't have those things. And we're, we're out of control and it's crazy because we've bought, bought in this disciplinarian or, or he's turned out to be a, a so-called disciplinarian, but yet the discipline in terms of leaks, in terms of this stuff, in terms of red cards has never been worse than it is right now. 
Johnny, um, Ainsley dropped the nuclear bomb and he kind of got what he wanted because he's staying. Is <laughs> is this is this is it like is this going to be a functional relationship or is is he just landed himself in Arsenal jail for the next nine months and we're not going to see much of him? Like what what do you make of how it's been resolved? Um, so so first of all, we are for anyone who might be listening to this at a later date. This is you know eight o'clock at night, ten past eight. Um, you're saying he's staying, but we don't know. This this is this has all the hallmarks of a last minute. He's jumped on a jumped on a plane or a mega bus <laughs> up to uh, a different part of England to sign his deal. You know, um, and the thing is, is I, I thought Matt spoke really um, eloquently and passionately. Su- summed up a lot of how I feel about the last the happenings of the last few days. Um, Particularly Ainsley, Ainsley has really wound me up. But before I even get into that, can I just say, um, because you, Matt, you were speaking about the leaks that didn't happen under the Wenger era or whatever, or, or, or it's not so much the leaks, it's just the way the, clubs, the club communicate with the fans. One of my favourite things is after we get a mauling or a bad result and Arsenal post up the footage of the game and there's just a barrage of messages from fans who don't really understand the social media player, like, how dare you even post this and stuff like that. So they don't want to. They're just kind of committed to doing match highlights. They're not like, hey, guys, take a look at 5-0. Um, <laughs> that, that's quite enjoyable to check out, though, if you've got some spare time. So overall about Ainsley, um, the situation for me of why this starts getting a lot deeper and darker is because... One of the only ways that um, the situation around Ainsley Maitland-Niles was even at all palatable was the notion that various people spread out there that Ainsley has said in no uncertain terms that he wouldn't play in any other position apart from midfield. And then, at that point, you know, people, it's then debatable that should he be given a chance in our centre of the field? We're, we're a lot more packed in there than we are at right back, for instance. The moment he dropped the news that he said, I want to be considered as a right back this year and I've never said anything different to the club, it, for me, moves suddenly into this is a vendetta, a clear vendetta for Marte. You can't spin it any other way because if he's honestly looking at Callum Chambers as a right back, if he's honestly looking at Cedric Suarez as a right back and saying, these two are better flat out than Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who, granted, has been up and down in form and we've seen him uh, be loaned out last year, but was also right back when we won the FA Cup. He had the most successful pe- um, uh, period and certain event, certainly event under Arteta, was with Ainsley Maitland-Niles playing right back. So it's not even like Arteta can go, he's never done it for me. He has done it for you. And if you want to tell me he's refused to play there, that's one thing. But when he said, no, I want to be considered as a right back, it just makes the team selection even more baffling, even more bizarre. It's like um, some kind of self-sabotage. And then the only other thing that was left available at that point, when you're hearing that, and Bellerin now we hear is going out as well, is surely then there must be a plan for a right-back that is going to make this all make sense. We're going to get a right-back in who is probably a touch above what we might have been expecting, and therefore... Letting make the Niles go, letting these other players go makes more sense because they're never going to play anyway. Now, we're left in a situation where we've got a guy coming in and what I don't want to do, I'm determined to not to, is slag off a, a player in Takahiro Tomiyasu who 
I'd never even really heard of before <laughs> the last 24 hours. I know Tottenham were linked, but, you know, I've gone in and done a little look at his stats and watched some highlights. But the fact is, is without in any way suggesting he's not going to work out at Arsenal, this is not the kind of name, per se, that I would think would make this treatment of the current playing staff make sense. It looks like just another guy who's going to be vying for a starting berth. But overall, this just contributes to the notion that there is no plan, no structure, and it's just even more of a mess than what we thought in the first place. I think you've just given uh, Mikel Vendetta. It sounds like a pretty good nickname for, uh, for, for Arteta. I like it. They're going, to call it. they're going to call the new documentary, the Mikel, Arte- the, 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 the Mikel Vendetta, and they're going to say, starring the scorned 11. <laughs> um, I, I don't know whether... I, I don't know whether uh, it's weird because there's, there's like a plan. Um, most of the plan has been activated upon this summer. Like we've got a lot of the players in place, but it's just you know the the way that they treat the players. You know the Ainsley Maitland Niles thing. Obviously, Arsenal wanted to sell him. They clearly didn't get the bid that they wanted. Otherwise, they would have sold him. And then they've completely mismanaged the players' expectations because they've not given him clarity all summer. I think Ainsley said last summer, quite late on. Nobody at Arsenal has spoken to me about my future, so I don't really know what's going on. The fact that Ainsley is finding out that he could be potentially bombed to Everton on the 31st of August is is shocking. The fact that well, apparently, I think John Cross said that he'd been made to train on his own, like William had before he was exited. So you've made him train on his own. You've potentially said you're going to go to Everton, but then you're like, no, we don't like the offer that you've got on the table. And now clear the air talks to say that you're part of the squad and you'll get a chance to play this year what excuse me it's just it's it's baffling and and, and do you think any of that is they've seen the backlash against it because the reality is we do have a lot more loyalty for homegrown players and what most people don't remember is that the last substitution that Arsene Wenger ever made was bringing on Maitland-Niles at Wigan away and I don't believe that anything is, you know, he was the master of symbolism, Arsene Wenger. And I think it was clearly a way of ushering in many of the youth prospects that he thought had bright futures, that he obviously thought he played a key role in shaping and defining. And, you know, we're always going to back a youth product over anyone from the outside. And I just think we've seen enough to work with, with Maitland-Niles to make it a very, very, you know, you may not think they're good enough, but one warning to Arteta and the rest of people at Arsenal is do not treat lifelong Arsenal fans like shit. And that's what he's done. And we won't stand for it. And I think that's part of the reaction. It's not like Maitland-Niles, the player we signed two years ago from Feyenoord. He's one of our own. He's Arsenal born and bred. And we don't appreciate him being treated like shit. Also, you've got the, um, the I think the point that you made there about, uh, both of you made about, he was part of the most successful Arsenal team under Arteta. We've watched him pocket Mares in a semi-final. We've watched him, I don't know whether you can ever pocket Eden Hazard um, when he's at his peak, but, you know, we, we beat Chelsea. There's a, there's, a, there's a player with a high ceiling in there. Yeah. And this, this comes back to this other issue that I have. It's like, not only does Arteta need the perfect side to deliver the perfect result, he also needs the perfect player um, the exact mentality to be able to coach them. Otherwise, it doesn't work. 
And, you know, Ainsley's got his challenges behind the scenes. And I'm sure that Sam Allardyce would probably say the same about him. He's not perfect. But the fact that um, he's got all of the raw ingredients that we're looking for in the new right back, you know, he's quite tall. He's fast. Nobody um, has mobility like him in our entire team. He's got all the ingredients to be the perfect inverted right back. And number one, he doesn't want to invest in him. Number two, he would rather play a diabolical right back that's old, that has no ceiling, that has nothing to offer the side than give Maitland-Niles a go after Maitland-Niles has said, look, I'll play in a right back. And I think if you're willing to throw a result like Manchester City with a shit player um, and not give a youth prospect a go, it doesn't matter what happens in these 10 games after the break. We can win 10 on the bounce, but Arteta soiled himself. He soiled his name in the eyes of the fans because I, I don't think we've ever had a manager in our lifetimes that treated players badly. And, no. and it and it and it and it that it feels like Maitland-Niles has been treated badly. It is obvious that William Saliba has not been treated well, and I don't know how you escape that. Like when just people think, "Oh, you're you're not a particularly good person when it comes to managing people that don't fit the bill." It's it's Mourinho esque without the trophies. Yeah, um, for me, when I saw the story coming down, I said, "I I, I think." It smacks of, you know, and, I, and I'm not using it lightly, the B word, it, bullying with certain, you know, some of these players, the way that they're getting treated. The thing is, is what I found so remarkable about the whole Saliba thing were the people that consistently try to blame a 20-year-old boy, you know, he's barely even a man, um, for, his, uh, for the affairs that have taken place since joining Arsenal. They're a club, they should have his stewardship and his... Um, you know, uh, good wi- his good health, etc., including on and off the field, in mind with all the actions that they're doing, because we're a club that has got the professionalism and expertise to make you know players perform at their best level. And at, at this stage, it's very hard to say when you look at the treatment at Saliba and you look at the treatment now that we know. And I've and I'm pleased that Ainsley Maitland Niles has come out and put that out there because. At some point, if this is what's going on, I'm pleased that certain players are lifting the lid because he sounds like a real brute, quite frankly. Um, and we know now that he is acting. And when you see this make the nails thing, for all the Saliba non-believers out there who, who didn't really think that, oh, we ain't seen enough for him to play in a team. No. At this point, when you've seen three games where Callum Chambers and Cedric Suarez have been playing right back, you know that Arteta is not even pit- picking the best personnel anymore if he has a personal issue with them. Because the, it makes no sense when we've lacked any kind of threat from our right fullback position. In all of these games, we're so lopsided, and yet you persist with either Callum Chambers or, or um, uh, Cedric in that, in that number. And at that point, you're going, well, no, he, he's not actually even picking the right team now. He is so fixed on discipline that he is now not even putting his best foot forward. I mean, I think it's a disaster and, and he needs to remove, be removed ASAP. But if you... The, William Saliba going to Marseille on loan, if we started the season with Gabriel and Ben White, we probably wouldn't notice that there was a problem for a while. But I think what where Arteta's at, you know, soiled himself again, that he dropped Pablo Marie against Manchester City and played 
a, a right back that he'd been trying to bomb out of the club since January shows you that he, he doesn't even have belief in Pablo Marie. Uh, so, so there's there's no real rationale for moving on Saliba. Again, it's like he's got he's got an issue with Saliba. He doesn't rate him and he doesn't even want to give it a go. He well, doesn't, you know, doesn't even want to go through that process of being like, let's just let's give him a go. Let's see if he's any good. And I know that you can't always tell a lot from, uh, you know, we all seen those highlight reels where everyone looks like a world beater. But we've also been seeing the clips of every single touch by Saliba in all his games because the Saliba ultras are out in force. And I didn't watch the whole game. I only watched every touch by Saliba <laughs> against St. Etienne. The guy looks like a freaking class act. And yes, people are going, oh, there's some risky moves in there. Yeah, playing out from the back is risky. And he made it work every single time. He looked a class above anything we've got at the club, including Ben White, in my opinion. And I've got absolutely no idea why he's not playing. I've, I've got no idea. And I, I, oh, it's this and it's that and it's this. It, we, saw every, we can see every touch. The guy's comfortable on the ball. He can, he's got verticality. He's massive. He's got big. He's muscular. He's tall. He's strong. What are we doing? But this is this is again. This is um, this goes back to the bigger picture problem. Yes, Johnny, we could remove Mikel Arteta at the moment, but Mikel Arteta is existing in a system that has completely uh, bent over for him and given him all the power because there should be a structure in place that says Mikel. There is no way that you are putting William Saliba out on loan this season. You're going to work with him and you're going to play with him. He cost us a lot of money. He's going into the you know, last two years of his deal at the end of the summer. We need to see if he's good enough. And if, you want, if you're not willing to have him at training, what does that say about you? And, and Edu can't do it because he's got no power. Vinay wouldn't dare. Tim Lewis is supposed to be the adult in the room. He's letting, you know, seems to be letting whatever fly, fly. Um, and that that point is where I want to move on to the next bit because we talk about controlling the system. Guess who's back on the radio today? It's the main man. It's the true sporting director of Arsenal FC. Kia Drabshin is back on Talk Sport today, and he basically called out Arteta and said that Arteta was the one that drove home the Willian deal, and I think it's clear why Kia is in the press. He's protecting his client who is under an immense amount of pressure. And there is no way that Kia does that if Arteta and Edu have a good relationship. And if Arteta has fallen out with nearly every senior person at the club at some point, the chances are that they've fallen out again. And I think it's clear that a lot of the communications issues, because Edu and Arteta aren't talking, what do we make of Kia back on back on talk sport slamming the club? I mean, it is outrageous. Um Johnny, what do you think? You, you, you look dead behind the eyes right now. Just well, disgusted. Uh, yeah, no. So, so it's in, you know, this all starts feeding into uh, each other, these different points. But ultimately, you know, for me, I see Arteta as a dead man walking now. It's just a matter of time. The relationship's gone with the fans. It's clearly gone with the players. But for me, it's like, you know, it's like if you buy, if you buy a house off someone, okay, in that time before you, between you actually buying the house and taking uh, possession of the house, you don't mind if they change the curtains because if they put up some silly curtains, you can take them down again. But what I don't want is someone trying to build a conservatory in the gap between me taking possession of the house. Arteta is about to go, and I just don't want his decisions 
that he makes to be so long-lasting that they affect future iterations of the Arsenal team. This is why Ainsley Maitland-Niles was such a, a big one for me, because I have said countless times on this podcast that I see Ainsley, Ainsley, Ainsley Maitland-Niles as in a similar position to Victor Moses when Conte came in, a guy who had been used, had, had done all right in some uh, situations, was clearly not favoured by the previous manager, and all of a sudden you get a right-back out of him who's in the team of the season. And you win the league. I'm not. We we don't even need to win the league. We just would like to, like to win bottom. some games. <laughs> Let's just not be bottom. That'd be great. That'd be very, nice. Very low threshold for yeah. success. But um, you know, he is exactly the kind of player who I think I don't want any decisions to be permanent decisions to be made around a player like that because I do think there is uh, merit in that player that from with regards to another incoming coach they might see. Um, so in terms of the Kia coming out and saying stuff situation, for me, I think that, first of all, we've got to be clear, I want Edu gone and I want Arteta gone. It's it's not one or the other. And I know that where our conversation often goes, Pete, is it's like one before the other and we don't want this. And I understand the logical. Ultimately, I want them both gone. Neither of them, they've both failed. Edu has failed because of this transfer window. Has been a fucking disaster, I think. I, you're much higher on it. I understand what you're talking about when you say the profile we're signing, and I do agree with that. But some of the actual players, I mean, it doesn't escape me that right now our squad is built around several 19, 20-year-olds having to have big seasons, big, big seasons, or we don't have a plan for success because they're all the most integral. So... Yes, I'm excited about Laconga, but he better step up. I mean, that's a lot of pressure straight away. Emil Smith-Rowe, great. Second season, better step up. Saka, better step up. This guy, you know, we've got um, Takahiro's coming. He's got to play every week. Has to. It's going to be coming in from Bologna. He's, yeah. he's starting all the time. Kieran Tierney, we're all very high on, and Thomas Partey, and they're both injury prone. And we've got Aaron Ramsdale, who I'm not, I'm still not sold on at this stage. You leave him alone. No, I'm not saying he's rubbish. I'm just saying I'm not sold that he's out. Should be a starting keeper because we know he is not going to be the difference. He's not going to be good enough to keep you up because he's got form. You know, we don't want to make it a hat trick for good old Aaron, do we? Um, <laughs> but the whole point is, overall, I think that they will both start scratch, uh, scrapping like crabs in a barrel now. Because they both are absolutely up for up for grabs here. I think both of them will have to go before grabs in a barrel. Um, Matt, uh, what's your what's your take on Kia? Uh, are we about to see a civil war un- unleash on Arsenal? It's uh, it's bad form, right? Yeah, um, just just following up on one of the things that Johnny said, I think he's absolutely right. Which is we're asking way too much of these young players. And as you know, I have a bit of a man crush on Emile Smith-Rowe. We do. Um, but uh, it did strike me watching the Man City game that one of the stupidest things that we've done is give him the number 10 shirt. And I say that as someone who's a huge fan of his and want him to wear the number 10 for Arsenal. But it's another classic example of a, of a rash decision made that isn't best for the long-term future of that individual player I think it's too much pressure on him too soon and he hasn't come into a team with Vieira and Gilberto behind him and then in, in a, he's come into a shit show where there's no one else to shoulder any, any creative burden and three games in you can already see him struggling a little bit so 
that's just an example of how we're, how we're mismanaging these young players by expecting too much of them, in my opinion. But, you know, you get onto the, the Kia stuff and I think one of the things that they probably didn't realise that is that um, when you put them on the same level, um, Arteta and, and Edu, their futures become lit. <laughs> there is no pulling apart because we don't really know who made which decision, who made what decision. And so I think you're right. The reality is um, they, both, they both survive or they both die together because that was the whole problem with, with, with this sort of like co-authorship or, or co-leadership. It's really, really difficult. And it's even more disruptive when they recognise that the end is nigh and start fighting amongst each other to save themselves. You get into a, a really, really toxic place. We know shared leadership doesn't work. Kia is just an example of, uh, just a really unhealthy environment where everybody knows that you know they're up against it, that that the end is nigh potentially, um, and 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 this just shows the fear that is in everyone's minds and how close we are to the to the end for these two. Yeah, I think uh, I, I I don't see how both of them survive the season. I think Edu was. Um... Uh, in a questionable position before the start of the window. The fact that one of the biggest celebrations Arsenal fans have had this window is William exiting the business is staggering. The fact that the fact that Kia, I mean, shows you the level of intellect that we're dealing with here. Kia basically goes on TalkSport to slag off the transfer strategy of Arsenal. Kia, Edu is supposed to run the transfer strategy for Arsenal. And if he's not, you've just said that he's got no power at Arsenal and will surely be swept away. And if he does then these decisions are down to him and he, should, he shouldn't have let Arteta bring William in. Like at the idea of Kia blaming Arteta for the transfer just shows the ineptitude of Edu or the lack of um, alpha maleness that perhaps you need at a football club to get your decisions heard. But, but before, like to segue into something, um, because I've obviously always needed an agenda, uh, legrove.co.uk and my latest agenda just burst out of the cupboard, not the cupboard, a website. Get right to the romance and find the way to wow this Valentine's with 1-800-Flowers.com. From classic roses and bouquets to decadent chocolate-covered berries, gourmet treats, and more. Surprise your Valentine with 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, get the 18-stem Enchanted Rose Medley for $39.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. Michael Edwards at Liverpool has handed in his resignation. One of the top five technical directors in the world. The man that took over Liverpool in eighth position. The man that decided to sell Coutinho. The guy who proved that Jurgen Klopp's last year at Dortmund was the unluckiest season in the German Bundesliga. He rebuilt Liverpool from eighth place into league winners uh, and Champions League winners. He's from the South. Um, is is this a gift from the gods? Is this an opportunity that elite leadership would absolutely take? Is this a potential big move? Matt, you're, you're shaking your head. Yeah, I just, I just don't see it. Um, I think truly elite talent is not going to risk reputation coming to Arsenal right now. It's just not going to happen. Um, uh, that's, my, that's just a personal belief. And I know you have a different point of view when we were talking about it earlier. Um, and then the other thing about it is, you know, they're looking up from Liverpool. They're going Barcelona, Real Madrid, like uh, 
they're not going well like why why and 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 so i don't see it on that level and then the other piece is it gives far too much credit to the cronkies because i don't think that they think structurally or holistically about anything i think they're far more likely to say let's replace edu with overmars or let's replace arteta with brendan rogers because i don't think they have a vision i think they just see everything in like blocks and piecemeal and they're always looking for the simplest quickest fix and so they'll go oh yeah but really you know it's really about Klopp what he's done at Liverpool you know you know he's the one who's made it tick so we just got to find a new Klopp or uh you know it's I just don't think we 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 pace that on, on 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 structure so um I would be amazed that would be far too organized and disciplined and thoughtful and all those things that we don't do so yeah not happening i don't think yeah Johnny, are you in on the agenda no i mean i'm kind of along with matt in the sense that even if i think it's a good idea which of course it's you know he's got great um a great resume for exactly what we need i i don't give the cronkies the credit to make the strategic decisions to push us forward in that way um what i would say though is that I have been encouraged by the fact, and this is why, like, even things like this, like, uh, you know, um, opinion formats, having fans coming out with real voices and putting their own things forward, it's important in terms of the future of Arsenal to make the voices of the fans, you know, and, and, and it's not to say each one of us speak for all the fans, it's a spread of opinions. But overall, we have to be unwavering in our message to the club that we are going to hold the technical director accountable. We are going to hold the manager accountable because this is not how we ex- expect Arsenal to be run and we won't accept it. So I've been encouraged by the increased noise around Arte- uh, around Edu, I should say, because Arteta was getting a lot of the um, focus and, uh, and rightfully so that he deserves some. But, you know, this is why I say Edu has failed in the summer because I, I, I'm not pleased that we have um, essentially fixed the issues with our squad. There still remains looming, gaping holes. Like We still need the issue at centre midfield sorted. We need extra bodies in there. And up front seems to be in the same kind of mess that we were in before. And Takahiro has basically got to end up being excellent or we're going to be in big trouble at right back with what it looks like Callum Chambers acting as the deputy. Um, So... I'm not happy with Edu's recruitment over the thing, but again, this isn't. This can't just be. Oh, Edu's recruited bad. So, the, what we've been seeing on the pitch lately, and the lineups that Arteta has been picking, the players that he has plumped for one way or another, we can let him off for this stuff as well. He has earned himself the sack, and Edu has earned himself the sack. So, for me, now that we are starting to hear more regular calls in amongst fan opinion for an appointment of a Ralph Rangnick or a Campos or, you know, all of these names that are suddenly getting linked and it's really exciting. Um, th- that ultimately is nice because with a club that seems to not know what they're doing so frequently, I think sometimes when you get common calls that happen in the media, that, I swear, just gives them the ideas of, oh, maybe we should do this. I wouldn't be surprised if Vinay is reading Twitter. I wouldn't be surprised if he's scrolling message boards for ideas of what to do. That or playing a couple of simulations on football manager I, d- I don't know how he makes his ideas but ultimately the more a progressive line can come out in fan discussion 
the more likely I believe that we will take one of those routes because I don't think that they'll necessarily come to that conclusion off their own bat. Well, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit more positive about the idea of someone like Michael Edwards. Like the stories are already being leaked into the press that Edu is under consideration for losing his job. Um, there's been some interesting names linked already. I don't think it was common knowledge that Edwards was going to leave. If Edwards is from the south of England, like Arsenal, Arsenal is an elite name. It's an elite name. It could not get any lower, literally, like <laughs> metaphorically. We are bottom of the league. We haven't scored a goal. It couldn't get worse. It honestly couldn't get worse. And if you are Michael Edwards, the, the idea of going to Madrid, there's already there's already a sporting director there, Florentino. Like you can't better four Champions Leagues in a in, in a decade. Like you, you go there for the prestige, but like you, a, a person like Michael Edwards is has probably left Liverpool because there is only one king there. That's Klopp. And there's going to be a rebuild, and that will be led by Klopp. So he is seeking power. He's seeking power. And what better place to get power than go to a club that is completely rudderless, where they where they throw money at every single person that comes in, uh, where you could a- awaken a sleeping giant. Imagine if you got Arsenal back to the top. Imagine what that would do for his salary. Yeah, you know, he could be a he could be a ten million pound a year technical director. So I don't think it is beyond the realms of possibility. I, I, and if he I is going to stay think- in the UK, where else would he go? I just don't think that's how careers work, though. I think you do a good job somewhere and you want to go and work somewhere better than your current employer. And that's one of the things that you earn the right to do. And actually, what he's already done is a job very, very similar to... I mean, Liverpool were a mess. You know, yeah. they had Roy Hodgson and they had uh, Origi and all these like terrible, 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 terrible players. And he came in and he sorted it out. And... If I was him, I'd go, I want a new challenge. And actually, Arsenal just looks like a very, very, very similar challenge to the one he's just fixed. Why would he want to do the same thing again? You know, it's legacy club, haven't won in a long time, lost their way. You know, wouldn't the next step be, oh, I want to work at a super club. I want to work in European football. I want to work, learn a new language. I want to broaden my horizons. It's not going to be, I want to sort out exactly the same mess that I've just sorted out but for someone matt, else I, I personally don't think matt there are a certain people in life that seek out partners that fix her up projects and they always <laughs> seek out the broken person and i think i think that's michael edwards he's like who's a big club who needs fixing i think he i think that's what he's going to seek out and i am disappointed in both of you because neither of you are biting on my agenda and i'm going to have to come back with round two of this reshape it and, you, uh, you've been watching too many rom-coms, mate. I, you know. really, you, I can fix you. They're like, no, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure. I, I, I'm kind of in agreement with Matt that the project is a little similar for him and he might not be interested. And I do think Overmars is making very strong, uh, very strong um, kind of glances towards Arsenal, talking about he can come and... Via very, Ray Parler. Exactly. If he's texting old Ray, old Romford Pele... The, the one thing I'd say, though, is um, the plan that's being executed right now from the outside doesn't feel like an Edu plan. Like, that's my personal take, which was Edu came into the job and last year, what do we do? We do William, we do, I can't even remember, it was just, uh, we did Ceballos on loan again. Um, it, it, was just, it was just terrible, that whole window. Um, looking back with hindsight. 
And then this year, though, we've changed it completely. We've gone for this youth. And, and Eddie just doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who has just had a complete, has spent the summer and has gone, actually, I've been rethinking and I've done analysis. This feels like it's coming personally from another area of the club and people have more insight into that than I will. But it feels like, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like Eddie at all. Like, it feels like data-driven, this whole, like, more like vision, mission-driven doesn't doesn't it doesn't doesn't look like Eddie who's with with his super agent mates and and all that sort of stuff. So I'm keen to get your perspective, Pete, on that. Yeah, I think there's a, a collection of analysts and young scouts at Arsenal that have been driving some of the decisions. Uh, I I don't know how involved Edu is. I don't know how the decision making structure has gone, but I think that there is. Um, you can tell the profile of player that have come from like deep scouting, Lukonga, Tavares. Um, deep scout in Martin Odegaard, you know that 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 came from a, a scouting mission and actually watching him at the training ground. Uh, it, I, I think that Aaron Ramsdale signing is an Arteta move. I think that's come from a, a different area, and I, it re it, it reads like um, the fullback is an Arteta signing as well. So it, it sort of came out a little bit out of um, left field. So it it feels like it does feel like. Edu has been sidelined a bit and you wonder whether some of the defensive posturing of Kia um, speaks to that. And it's, it, it reads like, you know, some of the, some of the hit pieces on uh, Edu last year is like, he's quite good at, at actually getting deals over the line. That's That seems like his skill set. So it's, you could probably bring in a senior uh, football CEO over Edu and Arteta like and, and then sort of just take away uh, responsibilities or you know I, I Johnny I, I totally get that they're, they're both failing but I do think you can make a, 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 an emotional decision and get rid of two people at the same time but I, I think unless you've got somebody in place that's like I can see 2020 what is going on at this club I know all of the players I know the weaknesses and this is the perfect manager I think you end up making rash decisions like you know, everyone's loving Spurs at the moment because they're top of the league. I think they're going to be very bored of that come December because that was a sixth choice manager. They sacked Jose Mourinho thinking that the Super League was going to come. And I think the next the next hire needs to be part of some sort of regime change. There needs to be so- something different has to happen because this, this madness, like uh, six or seven players that we signed this summer is a good transfer window for us. We covered off most of the positions that we were looking for and it feels terrible. And it feels like a mess. And we're all saying, I don't know. I don't trust the right back. I don't trust the goalkeeper. I don't trust any of these decisions because you don't know where they come from. And I think someone like Michael Edwards at Liverpool, you know that nine times out of 10, it was a structured process to get to the signing of a player. And sometimes they'll reject a player that everyone has heart for because there's a data story. Or sometimes they'll reject someone with a data story because there's heart for it. But you kind of know the process. I don't feel that, I feel like it's um, in the worst businesses um, the people that get stuff done are the people that shout the loudest. And it, that feels a little bit, you know, Arteta, bit of a bully boy, uh, squashing everyone around him. And I don't, I don't know how this summer, this summer should feel like a good one because we did a lot of business, but it feels terrible because I think we're all, we all know that the football's probably not going to improve after the break. And we all know that the morale and the camp is probably rock bottom. So in answer to your question. Was that we, 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 we signed, we had the third best defence in the league. And we signed a goalkeeper, a right back, 
a centre half and a left back, <laughs> and we and we can't get our our, our attackers working. So we signed a central defensive midfielder or or yeah Lokonga, and we and we bought back Odegaard. And so you just look at it like that, and you go, wait a minute weren't most of our problems and I know oh yeah you know some, some football heads will go oh yeah but you've got to have thoughts from the back and different verticality and this and that but we just bought four defensive players when we had the third best defensive uh, side in the league and 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 we didn't and we didn't we didn't augment our attacking uh, options in any way and we haven't scored a goal you know what I mean <laughs> it's just like you know, yeah, but when you actually look at the situation, uh, if we are doing this as well, trying to move on to looking at um, the transfer market holistically uh, and uh, this window, again, I have to just reiterate that outside of, you know, changing the profile of player that we're looking towards getting, um, I think it's been a shocking transfer window. I really do, because the reality is, is it's, we we've been on here before debating about you know the fees of certain football players that we've brought to the club and whether or not and, and we we're also saying through you know we can't have it both ways we've complained in the past about not spending the big bucks but the problem is is my issue at the time when we signed the likes of Ben White and Ramsdale above market value in my opinion in both cases that would be fine if we were still going to spend almost, you know, insanely, uh, an exorbitant amount and all of the players that we needed to fill. We said we need a right back. Sign in, um, let me just see his name again, Takahiro Tomiyasu on the last day of the season when we're bottom of the league, played three games and we've got a huge lack of confidence and we're bringing in a player to play in the Premier League for the first time. I'm not, Again, not saying he's not going to... You know, not saying he's going to not going to succeed. He might may well do, but it's not like we've got someone who's ready-made, Premier League ready. He's going to come in. There's just going to be no worries about him. There are potentially issues of integration into the squad and how long that will take coming from a, a different league. And the fact that we have still not covered those areas, centre forward seems glaring for me that that situation has not worked out. Right back, even with the signing of this guy, if we do let Bellerin go out on loan, and we, we, we've spoken a bit longer in, in more detail earlier about Ainsley Maitland-Niles and, and his treatment and whatever continuation he has at the club, it can't be putting your front foot forward with him anymore because of what's happened. So I think if when we looked at Arteta at the end of last season and I was saying he needed to go then, and we look at the focus on Edu and we say... What we needed as Arsenal fans was a transfer window that would rejuvenate us as a fan base and give us confidence that we knew what the issues were. We were we had a clear vision and plan to set about changing and tackling those issues and fixing them. And ultimately, we've all we've got out of this transfer window, apart from the benefit of knowing that we're signing slightly younger profile players, which will help with our business model, we've just become even more certain that the powers that be don't know what they're doing. There's just no plan there. They're just, they just, they're not able to address the issues and adequately feel them. So for me, I think again, it just, it, I get even less encouragement in terms of this current regime going forward. And I think it's just going to get worse and worse until this gets broken they, up. They, they did address the issues. I think 
It's just that we don't know whether they address them well. You got you replaced David Luiz, who was slow and made loads of errors, with someone who's fast and doesn't make errors but can do the same things with a ball. We've got an inverted right back now that can do the job. Um, we've got a backup left back, so Jacker doesn't have to play there. We've got Martin Erdegaard back, and when Martin Erdegaard came back into the side, um, we we were we were a better team. You've got a better goalkeeper than Runison, who looks like he wouldn't get into a Sunday League team, like. We have we have covered off uh, a lot of positions, and the only reason that we didn't sign Tammy Abrams is because we couldn't get rid of Lacazette or Aubameyang. Um, the only reason that we didn't replace Jacka is because we couldn't get a big enough fee to do the business. I actually think that the only thing that we didn't do this summer that was desperately needed was it was a Ruben Neves. If you put if you had had a Ruben Neves and replaced Jacka. I think we would feel a lot happier, but I think we did a lot of the business we needed to. I mean, there's a it's because there's so many holes in the squad, it doesn't feel meaningful because we haven't seen everybody settled yet. But I uh, Laconga and Parte is going to be a good midfield. Uh Gabriel and White is going to be a good central defense. We love Tierney, the right back, who knows? But surely he's going to be better than what we've been seeing with Suarez. Aaron Ramsdale got to be better than a, a sad burnt Leno. So I don't, I'm not really that far. I think the the new profile of the squad is right. It's young. It's going to take a while to settle. But long term, I'd much rather us do that than fish about for, you know, has-been players like Mkhitaryan and, you know, try and rejuvenate a 29-year-old's career, you know, for, like Coutinho would have been two seasons ago. So I, I think we've moved the squad forward. It's just nobody's got a clue whether it's correct yet. Um, yeah. just, 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 on my, just a quick riposte then. I, I don't agree with this. I think you are, um, in, it, like, from my perspective, you're a bit rose-tinting it because you, you talk about the areas that we have addressed, and I do get that, but there are issues where, like, for instance, we got rid of Louise, um, we got Ben White. Okay, but our defence, although we, you know, had a pretty good defensive record last year, we weren't we didn't actually settle on a settled defence at any point last year in terms of a central two. And even if we did, one of those players has gone. So... You know, we talk about having um, Ben White and Gabrielle playing, but our issue is we need, not only do we need those players, Phil, but we need direct competition for those players. And I think that we've stopped short of buffering our um, our kind of competition for places in a lot of areas. And we've just replaced, not necessarily like for like in terms of playing style, but uh, like, you know, for instance... It's great that Lakonga's in there, but we're also saying that we don't want to see Shaka in as much. Yes. El Nenny's not going to play. But then if Lakonga's out for whatever reason, we're straight back to those players. And, you know, I know that's because we couldn't move some of these players out, but that's what we needed to do. And up front, we've got those issues. And, and at the end of the day, what I'm saying is in situations like the right back, we've got an, an, an untested right back coming in and... If he gets injured or doesn't work out, who's that, who's his replacement at that stage? Because we're back to Callum Chambers, right? And I just don't think that the areas have been support. They've not been um, kind of replaced and structured properly enough. Well, well enough so that we could feel we're not going to be one injury away from a complete de- derailment of any form that we've got. Yeah, um, but if if Lukonga gets injured and the replacement is Granite Xhaka, that's not a bad that's not a bad backup replacement. Um, and if uh, if the new right back that I can't say yet and I don't want to butcher it gets injured and Ainsley comes in, you're not in a 
a bad situation. And if the two centre-backs that got us to the third-best defence in the league next season have to slip in at certain points during the season, as long as we've got a Gabriel or a White in there, it's not a bad situation. Matt, what do you um, what do you think of the, the new profile of the squad? Look, I think... I think we're moving towards what we all think is the right solution, which is younger players uh, acquired through the use of data. Uh, there's a couple of things, like a couple of caveats that, like, I think functionally we've done all the right things. The question is, like, like the data make the data the data approach makes sense, but we don't really have any trust in the people who are looking at the data because they haven't got any track record. And there's also this sense that we could put, we could have 10 really, really gifted players and Arteta would turn them to shit right now. That's also a bit, of a, a bit of a sense. So we're just really, really down on it. So I think the only way you can look at it is functionally it makes sense and the jury is out. But like cautiously, it seems like the right approach. But there's one piece of it missing, which is the role of transfer is one of the roles of transfers is to functionally fill all the missing gaps in the squad. But you know what the other great thing about transfers is? When they lift the whole club, when they change the body language of a club, Dennis Bergkamp, 1996, Dennis Bergkamp and David Platt, that said that Arsenal were, were, were back and, and wanting to get back in contention. You know, the summer, 97, 98, Mark Overmars, people like that where you're just itching to get to the first day of the season to get to go and see them play. I mean, it sounds crazy now, but Pepe was one of those signings when we first made it. gets like 72 million on this guy who's supposed to be brilliant. <laughs> None of us have seen much apart from the highlight reels. But excitement uh, and, 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 and sending out a message that we're back. And what this basically said was, we're fucked and we're making a load of decisions to try and like slowly build the club back up so we can compete with Tottenham and Everton. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and so the one thing we needed on top of this was a transfer that sent a message. You know, imagine if we did this window instead of even even instead of buying the right back today and we just muddled on with what we got, but we went out and spent 65 million on Calvert Lewin, 75 million on Calvert Lewin. Arsenal fans come into the next set, come into the Norwich game buzzing. They do. Everything is forgotten. It is because it sent out a message that we're ambitious and we're not fucking around. Whereas at the moment, it's like basically the bottom line is we have just got to write off another season and then we're going to need another window to sort out attack. And by the way, the handling of the Lacazette issue is. Another example of just terrible management. Apparently a decent offer last year. The guy's going into the last year of his contract. You've got to sell him. You've got to sell him even if you only get five million for him. You've, got, you've just got to get him off the books and get, get the new thing. You're going to go for free in 12 months. So it, it, cost- it, makes, it, it makes no sense to me. You've just got to get him off however you can get him off. He's the guy you should be freezing out. Unfortunately, that's the way it goes. You've got to freeze him out and you should be doing that from two years out, you should be treating him terribly last season. So he can't wait to get out of the club. And it's just the way football clubs are run. How have we let this happen where we're dependent on a guy who's running down his contract and, 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 and that's not allowing us to make the, make the moves we need up front, which is such, it, it's, it's a nightmare situation what yeah. we've got up front. 
and he cost us last season because he's not really good enough. And he cost us this summer because we couldn't sign Tammy Abraham. Well, I, I, I think the biggest this this is overall when I am um, anyone who thinks I'm being kind of harsh on the transfers that we got coming in. As I say, I do agree that we needed to sign young. We needed to hope. You know, the dream is to grow superstars or grow players who are going to be elite level players because we're less and less of a lure each day. Um, for the bigger players who have already proven it because of the, the quagmire that we find ourselves in. But, you know, it just keeps coming back to this same issue about having an overall plan and feeling like we might be coming up to the end of one regime one way or another and about to approach another one. And so, therefore, you know, trying to work out the uh, success of an overall window feels hard because you don't know who's going to be trying to get the most out of these players, and and some of these players might surprise you. But, I mean, for me, I'm just like, at at every major position, you need two quality players competing, uh, at least two, you know, and there are a few areas where it doesn't look like that for me. We can talk about Lacazette, but the reality is, is Lacazette still, if Arteta, you know, as part of this regime continues, Lacazette does actually play the best out of our strikers in terms of the link-up play that he does. And I know there might be economic arguments to be getting rid of him and so we can get someone else in. But ultimately, Obama Yang has been a bit of a mess for a while now. And we're not sure he's ever going to recapture the form that he, you know, once um, got uh, attained to whilst at Arsenal. So, you know, I, I think this is why I think it's it's quite urgent that we make the changes ASAP. Because I really do think that just muddling along could get us in a lot of trouble. And and as we always say, when you've got new players who are going to be coming in here and rightly and wrongly getting judged, whether it be for their transfer fee or the fact that they're, you know, coming to a club in trouble, we're all going to make, you know, jump to conclusions, not necessarily knee jerk, but we're going to come to conclusions on these players when a different manager, a different setup might be able to get more out of this playing squad. I believe that a lot of people could get more out of this playing squad and therefore you know, I have to come back to the fact that I really do think that we need to make changes ASAP because it would it would give everyone a boost to feel like whatever we're doing is working towards the next three years. Whereas because most of the fans now have gone away from Arteta and I think I'm quite confident in saying that it's the majority of fans want him gone. Um it's always like it's almost like you couldn't get too carried away with some positive results because you know there's some bad ones a bit further down the line, and it would feel more significant if a new coach, a new technical director, whoever was getting positive results because that feels like a future you can build upon rather than a, a backwards and forwards to and fro in, uh, which we've had since Arteta has been in charge. Yeah, I think one of the most positive windows we had in recent years which didn't work out. None of the players worked out. Well, most of them didn't work out. It was the one where Sven Mislintat was in charge. And we bought Leno, we bought Torreira, we bought Gwendozi, and we bought Socrates. And we bought them all. Leno, they were, they were all not that crazy expensive, all under 30 mil. Gwendozi was cheap. Um, and the thing about it was not just the profile, but like the fact that they all had like a bit of personality. Like you could see that it was also a bit of a, not just a playing test, but like a personality test. And the reality is how we managed 
to not make money on every single one of those. At, at, at some point in, in their career, every one of those players was one of our favourite players. Tabrera was one of our favourite players. Guendouzi was one of our favourite players. Leno was one of the best goalkeepers. And it's only through mismanagement that we have managed somehow to not sell any of them for an enormous amount of profit. That should have been with the right leadership at the club. Serrera should have gone for 30 million. Guendouzi should have gone for 30 million. Leno should be going for 30 million instead of just giving them all away. Um, but also a balance. Oh, we needed Socrates. We needed some experience. You know, was he good? Not, not really. But at least there was a clear plan and it felt that like we knew how we were going to be using those players. So I just hope that we're not just... I just hope we've got a coherent plan for how we, how we plan to use these players, as well as looking at the profile of them on paper or, or, or the data and thinking that they're the right call. All right. Well, I have to go because I've got meetings and I'm doing this in the day. Uh, but I just want to say thank you to both of you for joining uh, the Deadline Day podcast. It's been a fun window, but now it's down to... Arteta to see what he can get out of the players. So, thank you, Matt. Cheers, Pete. Thank you, Johnny. Johnny, where can we find you on the internet? As always with me, it's at I, Johnny Cochran. Do follow me if you can. It'll be great to have you on board. Awesome. On that note, uh, ciao for now. Tune into the podcast and listen to it again. Uh, see you at the weekend. I'm Will Coleman, founder and CEO of Alto, and I built Alto to put an end to rideshare horror stories. You're used to the total lack of consistency in rideshare. Maybe it's a smelly car or a driver that asks just one too many personal questions. Not anymore. With Alto, you know exactly what to expect every ride. Every Alto driver is a trained Alto employee, and every Alto vehicle is part of our private fleet of luxury SUVs. Say goodbye to rideshare horror stories. Download the Alto app today and use code FOUNDER for $10 off your first ride. Sports Social Podcast Network. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.